There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Mr. Beacon Podcast is sponsored by Williot. Scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Wonderful to have you back. Amazing that we're all still alive after the turbulent couple of weeks that we've had. Um, I am really happy to have Sprague Ackley back on the show. Sprague, thanks very much for joining us. Sprague's from Digimark. Digimark are a really fascinating company doing something pretty unique. Um, I'll, I'll say what I think they do and then Sprague can uh, correct me, but uh, basically digital fingerprinting. So uh, putting IDs into things that uh, are in a way that's invisible. So images, um, sound, um, and this ability to encode is very, very clever. Uh, at one level, simple, but the applications are endless. And so, Sprague, thanks very much for coming back on the show to talk to us about this. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great opportunity. Uh, and you, boy, you, you're just going to have to shut me down because I, I love uh, talking about it. It is an incredible technology. Uh, what's your role at Digimark? Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm in the other. It's a uh, I'm an R&D engineer, they call it. I basically do, uh, you know, research into uh, pushing the limits of the technology. But my first task really is to work with measuring print quality. Um, so just a, a step back, you mentioned all the audio and video. It, you know, that's really where the company got its start. But the, and so, you know, if you imagine a digital file, you have a bunch of bytes that have, uh, you know, a certain value, and whether it's audio or visual or, or you know, uh, light, uh, detection, whatever it is. And so if you want to, if you manipulate that slightly up or down by, uh, you know, a, a, a gray level or two in, in the printing world or in, uh, or a uh, level or two in, in the audio world, um, in a particular uh, pattern, uh, you won't be able to hear the difference. You wouldn't be able to see the difference. Um, and so that's how we digitally figure print um, content, for instance, uh, that's on the internet. But the the thing that Digimark did that's really remarkable is they were, and so that's called digital watermarking. That's been around for a while, well before Digimark. Uh, that's, you know, well known in, you know, IEEE papers and all that for decades. But what Digimark did is they figured out a way to print the the digital watermark in a way that you can't really see it. And um, and so when you read a Digimark symbol, you don't already know what it was supposed to be, which is what all those other technologies, you, you know what the original sound was. And so you can, you can detect the information. This allows you to print something and read it just like a regular barcode. So the easiest way to describe it is um, one of the forms uh, is called the binary pattern, and it basically looks like uh, just a bunch of dots widely spread over uh, uniformly over the substrate. So, uh, you know, imagine, I think I used this analogy last week, sprinkling some pepper 
onto white paper uh, and so and shift it around so it's kind of uniformly spread out uh, to the naked eye you can see just a bunch of dots but it's very pleasing because it's you know kind of all spread around all over and the actual technology uh, is called uh, spread spectrum encoding which is how uh, radio frequency RFID works but it's spread spectrum printing and then we replicate that pattern uh, multiple times so it has phenomenal uh, redundancy which is one of the key traits that allows it to, to be used in lots of applications uh, and and it's and even when it's black and white so you can see it you you hardly kind of notice it because it's just like this kind of uh, kind of like a nice pattern that you would have on you know like a you know, like a like fabric might have like a a pattern or, or a fancy napkin or something it's, a, it's so it if like. I wanted to see your product in action where would I have to go to see an example of Digimark or not see uh, an example of Digimark in action right, <laughs> right. so the uh, so the binary pattern um, is, is is quite new so uh, in order to see that um, it's used in um, it's actually woven into fabrics uh, and the one of the well one of the applications is to uh, be used in uh, high-end uh, uh, textile uh, fabrication uh, and I can't tell you which companies are using it unfortunately so you can't go out and look at it because obviously they they want you to think it's a beautiful uh, textile pattern that they have and not uh, you know something that will uh, detect uh, you know knockoffs of their brand but it's um, used for anti-counterfeit in in high in, fashion in type in, in those applications the, and i would the, look at it and could it you know if i have a gray like a black shirt it's not going to work in that presumably you need some kind of uh uh variability in color otherwise you would see the the the, the pepper right grains, as but it were. for instance if you had black fabric and you and you looked at individual well, here's white fabric and mm -hmm. if you look at it up close there's you can see the weave mm -hmm. and if you had you know one of those little weaves be black or or even oh. uh you know a light color uh and it's spread all over the shirt the shirt would still look basically white but there would be a little bit of a textured pattern to it oh. so you would not know it was a barcode for sure and, uh, and so you're you wearing a barcode was on there you could you could say oh i can see those little dots if you look under with a magnifying glass so in that example i'm wearing something that looks kind of black or looks kind of white but it's got some texture and there's actually a barcode right. in there that's spread all over you and 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 just at a practical right. level I don't need to worry about framing the whole of your shirt. I don't need to get you to kind of move to the left, moves to the right. I can be pretty carefree in taking a picture of that fabric and uh, anywhere. read it. Anywhere. Uh, you, so, I mean, it's something about the size of a quarter. That's enough to read all the data. And it can be anywhere on the shirt. And in fact, it can be in different parts of it. You know, if you pick a little bit up here and a little bit down there, the grid is made and you end up getting your data. So, well, let's say I go from wearing the white shirt and it's Friday, so I'm going to go crazy and I wear my tartan shirt. Is the, is the Digimark pattern going to be the same pattern replicated or do you adjust it? Because, you know, one moment I'm on green fabric, next time on red, then it's yellow. Do you, uh, is it an offset? Is it sort of darker yellow? Uh, brighter green, uh, darker red, or am I basically going to look for little black specks throughout the whole of the tartan? How does that work? Yeah, so the way that it works in that uh, in that binary symbol is you're looking for, uh, so it's a very sparse mark. So the contrast uh, doesn't need to be very much. You just need a little bit of contrast. So you can either have a light area surrounded by dark or a dark area surrounded by light. And that can be with color. You know, for instance, if you have kind of a, a, a lighter reddish purple, you know, sur dot surrounded by a kind of a bluish purple background, 
you won't even see that at all. Is the human okay. eye is just very hard to see something like that. But if you look at it with a red light scanner, you'll see, you know, bunches of dots everywhere that are very clear. And so the color aspect is the other thing that Digimark does. Um, it, and there are lots of examples of this. So that this color symbol has been out there for like around five years. So there's lots of places you can go to see that. You know what? I should I should have brought some some uh, props here with me. Uh, if you look at the package, it just looks like a regular you know whatever crack, cracker box or cereal box. And uh, but if you look at it under red light uh, with a magnifier, you'll see very subtle uh, color variations where this light color is surrounded by dark or vice versa. And that uh, that is the secret sauce basically and that uh, allows uh, every item which is you know printed on a regular half tone print press so you don't need any different type of printing technique it's exactly off the shelf printing you know and a PDF format artwork just like everybody uses um, but instead of half tone it's kind of random if you ever look at up, uh, you know, a cereal box or whatever, a magazine page under magnifier, you, it's actually tons of little dots. And the intensity of the dots from the three colors, uh, you know, that are used in, in a printing press, uh, give you, when you stand back, it give me, gives you that image. Well, we use the exact same process, but we manipulate it so it's not random. So those little dots are not random, but are placed there in a specific uh way which encodes the data now those types of packages like the cereal box every cereal box is encoded with the same data which is the same data that's in the upc barcode on the front it's called the the g10 uh, so every package is the same with um, the advent of these digital printing techniques that are coming out now uh, you can actually print the same package that actually looks the same, but has a serialized, serialized barcode in it. <clears throat> Obviously, no one's going to go through the expense and difficulty to do that for, you know, a box of Cheerios, but they are doing that for more expensive things like wine, uh, you know, and high-end types of uh, products. Um, so they are all actually unique. You get the G10 uh, plus a serial number, so you know which product is you're, yeah. that you're dealing with. So this is part of this mega trend, as I would call it, of serialization. We're going from every product has a SKU, but they're all the same, to everyone has a unique ID. And if you have a unique ID, right. that means you can have a digital passport in the cloud and you can start to track and trace and have history and provenance. Uh, who owned this before? What was it? Uh, where did it come from? Is it in the right place? All of these applications. Absolutely. Uh, but, and especially yeah. important for like fresh foods uh, yeah. where, you know, how many times have you heard about this E. coli breakout and that, you know, recall and they got to recall everything and they don't know who has what. But uh, so we have a few customers and I don't believe I'm allowed to say that the customer I don't, I, I'm going to just err on the safe side, mm -hmm. uh, but we have some fresh uh, uh, food uh, customers, you know, that basically grow fresh food and um, they are uh, using a Digimark a binary barcode, but it's printed in a, a color offset fashion that's easy to pick up with a red light scanner, which is what's used at the point of sale, uh, you know, in every supermarket but it's very hard to see by eye. You'd have to get a magnifier and have to know it's there. But if you just stand back and look at the label, it looks just like, you know, a label that's not enhanced. And that way they are uh, serializing every single, you know, package of fresh produce that allows, um, you know, targeted and, you know, one recall is like millions of dollars. Yeah. Plus loss uh of everything. So it's, it pays for itself incredibly quickly. And, and the thing I like, what I like about what you do is the aesthetics. You can have the benefits of a barcode without the uh, destruction of the, the visual uh, beauty of the print work, the artwork. You can uh, 
you can have products that are relatively small that have this data encoded and uh, it looks beautiful. So I'm sure the, uh, the merchandising people, the art director for the CPG company really loves it. Um, what are the, um, so what, could, what do you have to have to read this? Presumably you need a camera that's pretty sophisticated given that these uh, artifacts are, are quite small. What, what, what sort of device do you need? Uh, well, you need, uh, for the binary mark, you need any type of a regular old barcode scanner and all the major uh, manufacturers support it in all of their products now. Oh. And so basically you just need to get a regular barcode scanner, um, you know, or a mobile computer that has a barcode scanner in it. Or if you have a mobile phone, you can download our app and just, you know, read it with the camera on your phone. So um, it's nothing. You need nothing. Uh, the, the color symbol we specifically make so that it can be scanned using red light, which is what's used at the at the point of sale. Um, so um, nothing. And that, you just, uh, you just point of sale, to, you know, uh, I, I see kind of these laser scanners and then I see these optical scanners. Um, can it be read by both or, or just one of those? Yeah. So uh, historically, the point of sale used lasers uh, and the UPC symbol was designed to be read in any orientation as long as you had a, you know, an X beam laser scanner. And then starting, well, actually starting precisely in 1994, the first uh, what we called an imager was uh, released, which was essentially a, you know, a video chip which is now used in every, you know, phone as, as a, as a, it's a camera, basically a, uh, uh, that camera is now how barcode scanners work. So that there's, there's a little video chip or in, in the scanner and you take a picture at a very high speed and it's, it's a, it's a photo, it's a digital photo. And that's what is used to decode it. So I don't know what all the, the, the details are in the transition, but uh, anybody getting a new scanner uh, for use of point of sale uh, is only getting imagers. That's been the case for five years. There are still some installed laser scanners that cannot read uh, Digimark. And for that matter, can't read any 2D barcode like QR code or data matrix, mm. um, which uh, are being used more and more uh, you know, I, I joke that if you ask a kid what a barcode is and they'll say, oh, it's this square thing with the three eyes, you know, uh, yeah. and that's, uh, you know, that's a QR code. Um, that's really where barcode is moving into the future. And the, the thing you mentioned about, you know, getting that, uh, you know, that ugly barcode and except for those of us who have been in the industry and happen to think barcodes are beautiful. Most people don't really want it. Those black and white stripes on their package. And, um, GS1, which is the organization that manages the numbering, you know, for the all, all of retail, you know, that that number underneath the UPC symbol, which is called a GTIN, is administered by GS1, and they have they are looking at the future, and the future of on-pack coding is to go to 2D barcode, and I'm working with them. I'm on their technical committee. And we are investigating using uh, 2D barcodes like QR code and data matrix. And in fact, we have just recently added to the general specifications the uh, ability to put uh, a, a uh, hyperlink into a barcode, which can, you know, take you to the, you know, the site that the brand owner is uh, set up so you know you're getting accurate information and you can pull out the G10 out of that if you need it for point of sale or if you're a consumer you can get you know all the all kinds of uh, product information and nutritional information and you know whatever yes. uh, having to t do with that product and that the vision of that is to have like a 2D barcode next to the 1D barcode and what Digimark is doing, working with GS1, and we've also uh, published a, a paper on this uh, that is in the public domain, to basically say that the future of that on-pack coding really is Digimark, because you really can eliminate the uh, 
the, the visual barcode. You don't even need the QR code or the UPC code because you can print the barcode everywhere on the package. And in addition to uh, you know, getting that data easily and having more marketing data on the package and all that, you don't have to orient the package. That's so actually a really good go point. Down, yeah. You can go down the aisle and you can just go beep, 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 beep yeah. and do yeah, inventory. Yeah. You could even do it robotically. You know, yeah, uh, this is, this is efficiency, all like this. better checkouts. Uh, I, 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 so I want to tell a story here. I was, um, okay, yeah. I was at a Home Sorry. Depot and I um, uh, uh, bought a, um, a miter saw, huge thing, because uh, I'm having a little construction project. Uh, my small miter saw gave up the ghost. Um, and I have it on, you know, it's really heavy with the stand, and um, I'm a little worried about the. The, the trolley is going to kind of it's going to flip off it and the whole thing's going to fall on there and so i i get it up to the checkout re register and the lady kind of looks at it and we're like yeah uh, where is that barcode and we kind of look on the top the back the front the sides it's not there of course it's on the bottom and this thing is like super heavy uh and if they're there using digimark you would, <laughs> would not have that problem i wish that they were um uh, and, and I think it's kind of ironic that the uh, one of the biggest challenges with any of these technologies is the infrastructure that uh, is the infrastructure there to read it. Uh, and I've seen loads of problems with laser scanners, especially with QR codes on phones. That's famously very, very bad at reading that, and they don't. It doesn't work. Uh, and the thing that I think has driven this change is QR codes and the fact that you can actually obsolete QR codes. You, you, you're, you've like taken advantage of uh, one of your biggest competitors' success. Uh, they've, they've laid, they've driven the infrastructure, these optical readers that uh, um, actually can also read your uh, product. So, you know, why isn't everybody using this? It seems like it uh, looks better, better user experience, scan it faster, more data, serialization. It seems like the whole world should be using this technology now. Well, you know, this, the serialization stuff is, is just uh, starting to happen. You know, it's, it, we, we started, you know, piloting some of these applications less than a year ago, you know, plus we've been on lockdown, uh, but we're still moving forward with that. Uh, and the, uh, the, the retail barcode that, you know, this is blended in with the package that was only introduced uh, maybe about four years ago. And we have lots of customers for that. Um, I think I mentioned the the Walmart uh, toy catalog, all mm -hmm. 40 million copies of that. Every single page, both sides is completely enhanced with Digimark. So you can just take just like any like this little piece of the upper right corner of any page and it reads. And in some cases, we have multiple uh, functionality on the same page. So if you, you know, aim it at the dollhouse or something, you know, you get an animation about, you know, the dollhouse and, and all that. So uh, that's out there uh, quite a bit. And the, uh, and that's, that's expanding fairly quickly, but this, our business with the variable barcode is just exploding. And to be honest, we, we are stretched to the max, just handling all of the uh, enthusiasm that we have, you know, from potential customers. So I guess, it, and, and what, most of it, I can't talk about. That's the, the yeah. tough thing about it. So it's well, out there. You just don't know it. <laughs> well, one of the things I'm thinking about is, is it an all or nothing thing? Cause I, one of the challenges with, uh, you know, if you've got a supermarket it might have, uh, 50,000 different items in it. And, uh, um, you know, do you have to have all 50,000 uh, using, you know, from from maybe thousands of different brands all using Digimark? Or is this one of these things where, yeah, I can have uh, barcodes and I can have Digimark and it can work together? Does that even make sense? So I think I'm oh, trying yeah. to answer no, my own so question, which is now. why are we not all yeah. using this? What are the barriers to scaling this? And it seems like yeah, well, what are the practicalities of having a dual uh, ecosystem with both technologies? Do I get the benefits of the new product if I have to do that? Yeah, well, certainly the more you have enhanced with Digimark, the more benefit you're going to get. Uh, right. You know, so 
if you're checking out, you know, products and you see, you know, your store brand, for instance, and that's most of our applications are brand owners doing, you know, enhancing their own uh, product. Uh-huh. They're, they're in charge of the printing and the reading. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, they just know that they don't have to find the barcode nor in it. They just grab the thing and it just beep, 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 beep. And self-checkout is greatly, uh, you know, enhanced with that. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, technique. But um, the, uh, you know, this scanning technology that, it, that you have uh, is, you know, allows you to um, add this while you already have other barcodes and you know so it does work with other barcodes but the more you move into the digimark uh the better uh you know your your productivity is going to be and to answer your question from a technology standpoint one of the issues we have that we're facing right now as we scale this up is on the press line is developing quality tools so that while these symbols are being made, you know, at whatever they go at 100 feet per minute, you know, they're just, you know, it's like a, you know, those pictures of old newspapers, you know, ripping along. It's basically how they make product packaging um, is developing quality tools to uh, enable process control. And that's one of the things I'm working on with my much more learned uh, colleagues at Digimark right now. And that's one of the big limitations. So we're we're developing a uh, an SDK that we hope will get uh, incorporated into all of the barcode verification equipment that's out there, so that people that are already on, have you know a verifier on press that they use to uh, measure the quality of regular barcodes, they will be able to measure the quality of Digimark. And similarly, there's also um, optical high-speed optical cameras that go across the whole web we're working with the manufacturers of those to uh, enable them with our print quality software Uh, but that is a work in process so that's a big limitation to scaling right now is getting all the quality tools in place and that's one of my big uh, activities well i can talk about the encoding of the uh the retail symbol Mm-hmm. And the binary symbol, you know, mm-hmm. it encodes r- regular product information. Mm-hmm. So you start off with uh, a little data packet, which is either around 50 bits or 100 bits. 50 bits is just the UPC symbol, which is, remember, the numbers un- underneath the UPC mm-hmm. symbol on a serial box. That's called the mm-hmm. GTIN, um, Global Trade Item Number, officially. And uh, we have a a packet that is about double that that includes the G10 and the uh, ser- a serial number, for instance, or 
uh, lot and batch and best buy information, secondary data, let's just call it secondary data. And so you have 100 bits. And then you take that 100 bits and you, uh, you add some, some header bits, which tells the system this is what you're trying to read. And then you add approximately 900 more bits of error correction. Wow, that's a lot of error correction. A lot of error correction. So by contrast, uh, QR code, which has uh, variable amounts of error correction. So if you, if you put the most amount of error correction, which is how you can read those QR codes with the happy face in the middle, it's because mm -hmm. you don't need all the bits. You can, it, it, it has this mathematical redundancy. Well, QR code is the most. It has about 50% redundancy. So if, if you take a bunch of data and then you take 50% of that and, and that's your extra error correction. So you can kind of chop off a, you know, a corner of a QR code and it still reads. Digimark has in its, uh, in its uh, serialized version has 700% error correction. So the, at the point of sale scanner, just like you can read multiple barcodes with a, you know, a typical handheld scanner, Digimark is just another barcode that is auto-discriminated with all the others. So all you got to so do is make sure it's turned on, basically. So going back to my question of, you know, why, why not scale overnight? Uh, you've been doing a lot of hard work working with all of these point of sale companies to make sure that they've got the firmware and the software running on their systems, because getting software into a point of sale is challenging, and they all presumably want money to do that, or, or, or at least a customer that's willing to say, I'll only buy your well, see, that's, products that's if what's you happened. have it. There's, yeah. there's been a number of uh, brand owners who have said, I'm not buying your scanner unless you put Digimark in it, because we're thinking about putting Digimark, you know, mm -hmm. into our future uh, product, uh, or, you know, branded product, and we want to make sure that it's, you know, in the, in the scanner. So, yeah. you know, manufacturing companies, they, they hop to it when they, when they're told they can't sell something unless there's something in there, they put that something in there. And, and it's been several years uh, that this has been the case. This is not like, you know, new, new stuff. It's been in uh, all the big guys uh, scanning equipment for years. Uh, and where it is used, which is uh, multiple brand owners uh, you know, worldwide, uh, you know, that's already in the scanner. But what I see is this is going to go, you mentioned scaling one project uh, that, uh, Digimark has been working with within Europe, which is called the Holy Grail Project. It's a envisioning the marking of plastics so that they can be scanned in the recycle stream and sorted into pure material, which then instead of landfill becomes a profit center because that pure material can be chopped up and, and reused. And that, uh, uh, that system was... Um, was prototyped in a lab uh, about a year and a half ago, and is now being run in an actual recycling facility. And so what we're doing is working with major brand owners, uh, and I'm not gonna say who they are, but they're every, every major brand owner that makes products in retail, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would uh, encourage your, uh, viewers to go just type in Holy Grail or Digimark or plastic recycling and it'll all pop up uh, and you can see videos and all that kind of stuff. But basically, if you, uh, well, one way we're working on it is adjusting the mold that makes a plastic container. So uh, we're, do, we're experimenting with a lot of different types of mold adjustments, but imagine a mold that has little bumps uh, in the mold. So when the plastic bottle is molded, it has uh, either a positive or a negative, very subtle texture. You might be able to feel it with your fingers, but when you look at it, it might look at it like it's slightly frosted, like it's a decorative thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the barcode. And anywhere you orient that bottle, you're going to, because you only need a tiny little piece, remember, you can read that barcode. 
and you crush it and twist it and get it dirty, you're still going to find places that have readable barcode. And that is how we're, um, you know, at, for, you have to make the mold. But once you make the mold, you have hundreds, millions of bottles for free, all have a barcode in it, which when you read it, you can tell what the plastic is. That's and awesome. It's awesome. And all the big brand owners are coming on board with that. So I think that is one of the big drivers, I think, personally, because the circular economy, you know, is, is, is big. And here in America, there's, you know, some places in the country anywhere, like the Pacific Northwest, where I am, we've been recycling stuff for, you know, 40 years. And uh, elsewhere in the world, it's more than just, uh, oh, that's a nice thing to do. Uh, you get fined if you're not doing it. And there's a it, there's a cost uh, uh, problem that you incur, and so by solving this problem, you not only are helping the environment, you're you're saving money, and that's why the Europe uh, operation is so much farther ahead. Uh, but we have uh, we're working in in uh, Asia and in Australia and U.S. also, but they're just a little farther behind than the the progress in Europe. And once this really gets up and running, all these big brand owners, I. I believe, are just going to start saying everybody has to do it. I think it's awesome. And um, I think the fact that you can help the recycling industry make more money because, you know, the, the better job you do of separating, the more profitable it gets, the more profitable it gets, then it becomes a virtuous uh, uh, circle. Yeah, and, and, and I think people are more willing to recycle if they think that it's actually working. One of the things that puts people off is like, I'm doing this, but I think it's all going into the landfill. But if they can see that there's a lot of uh, reuse of these products and so forth, then... Uh, um, yeah, so like yeah. right now, it, you know, at, at least in, in my state of Oregon, uh, we recycle everything and it doesn't go into the landfill. But if you just have a, a bunch of mixed plastic you know, you can kind of semi-melt it down and make like bricks and stuff out of it. You know, there's a bunch of, you know, bumpers for thing. You know, there's a bunch of uh, products that you that are on the market now that are made from this recycled material. But if you can get pure stream, now you can save on virgin material. And you also use less uh, fossil fuels, which is where the stuff is made from in the first place. So uh, it just... Uh, Holy you know, grail. As you pointed out, it's the win-win. It's a huge win-win. And I tell you, for me personally, I, that's one of the feel-good things about working at Digimark is you really feel like you're helping the planet. Yeah, in a, in a very real way. Uh, well, um, yeah, we had a podcast where we uh, interviewed, uh, we had a discussion on the circular economy. There's an there's a amazing uh, Latin American company that's working on that. Uh, and... Um, if anyone's interested in it, Ellen MacArthur Foundation, Google that, and uh, it, there's a lot to it. But uh, uh, oh, and the MacArthur Foundation is also yeah. a funder of the Holy Grail project too. Yeah, there you go. So uh, just before we sign off, two other applications I wanted to uh, find out about. So uh, let's imagine I'm a talented uh, photographer, which I'm not, but I want to uh, sell my wares and um, spot people that are um, basically pirating the image, copying it and using it without my permission. Is that is that a, a, an application that you guys do? And if so, how would I um, uh, avail myself of your services? Right, right. Yes, that is, that's the classic application. And um, I must say, I'm not uh, as versed on that application as I'm not directly involved in it. But um, there is a, a whole separate group of Digimark people focused on that and that application so getting the uh, the enhancement into the photos is actually fairly trivial because it's all digital it's just software yeah. and, and actually I'm now wondering what about audio so you can do the same thing with audio right exactly and the same thing with audio yeah so actually this is kind of ironic because when we do the three songs to Mars, what we do is we take a little fragment of that song and we overlay it whilst you were telling your story. I hope you're paying your, I hope you're paying your no, we don't. Uh, royalty fees. We, we don't. That. Fair use. You can use a short <laughs> clip. Uh, but sometimes YouTube catches it. 
So is that like Digimark technology that's uh, that, that's catching the audio and saying, hey, this is uh, this is uh, copyright audio? Because I often wonder how do they recognize it? Because we're it's not like this is a clean uh, uh, signal. It's like got you and me talking, and then there's the audio on top of it. And uh, well, it's uh, just like in the in the printed version, you yeah. can have like for instance. Uh, you know, on a, on a cereal box, you have the nutritional panel. It's just mm -hmm. all these words uh, mm. and white background. You can print binary symbol in the background, and it reads totally fine. And that's the same thing with audio and, and, and digital uh, photography. The, it's, the signal is spread all throughout the, uh, the song. The entire song has it. Yeah. So if you take a tiny little piece of it, it the signal is in that tiny little piece imperceptibly. So yeah. you, you can't hear the difference, of course. Right. But if you run it into software, we will pick it right up. Well, and I just want to say you for anyone that's annoyed by the adverts that you hear in this show, <laughs> we actually donate all of the revenue from the adverts to a, a local charity for kids in San Diego. So your pain right. is resulting in... Uh, school supplies for, uh, no, uh, for kids of the, that are homeless. So I didn't, um, I didn't know that, but it's, it, yeah. you know, it's nice touchy-feely uh, <laughs> feeling to know that. That's, that's great. Very good. Well, on that note, let's, uh, let's wrap it. This is fascinating, Sprague. Thank you uh, so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, like I say, I'm very uh, excited about this uh, whole technology and, uh, you know, let's touch base uh, in a year, and I bet you we'll have a lot new more, applications, uh, yeah. a lot more applications to talk about. So, I guess the question is whether you have three more songs to talk about. Oh, I did not uh, come up with three more songs. That's but, okay. Uh, I can, uh, I can do that. What what do you think you'll listen to this weekend? Well, I, I, the song I mentioned, or the the uh, the symphony I mentioned before, uh, which is the Saint Saint Symphony uh, for organ. Uh, back when I was in college, I was uh, started to get intrigued by classical music, and my dad said that there was this you know symphony that he really loved, and I uh, got a copy of it, and you know. I had, you know, the big stereo system. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, uh, uh, this is probably an embarrassment to say this, but it's the most pop sounding symphony I think I've ever heard. It has a lot of great themes running through it that are really quite catchy. And, you know, when the organ comes in, it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's a, it's a great symphony. So I would, I would uh, have that one as one. And then another uh, song, which, I really love, especially if I've just accomplished something, you know, if I've just gotten, you know, I remember playing it once. I had just come back from an expedition uh, kayaking a, a wilderness river, and I was in an incredibly good mood. And it's the Queen song, I Want It All and I Want It Now. It's just a great anthem for, you know, getting psyched up and feeling good. And um, and a third song. Let's see what just jumps randomly uh, into my mind. Uh, you know, I would have to say it's a here's a goofy thing. I I would say it's the Star Spangled Banner. You know, for oh. some reason. Uh, you know, when I like at a baseball game, when I hear yeah. somebody singing that. You know, with all this weird political stuff that's going on now, maybe, it, you know, I, it's a weird thing to say, but I would say it still gives me goosebumps. Uh, yeah, I think that's what we look for in music, isn't it? Sort of emotional resonance. It, it reminds you often, it, it, we like the music as much because it reminds you of a time or a person and uh, or evokes certain feelings. I mean, for, for, I think Queen gets chosen a lot on this show. Because it does that. Uh, it does I, uh, have that. It does have that. Yeah. You know, a lot of their songs are uh, are very powerful. And, uh, yeah, I just saw them in concert uh, with Adam Lambert 
just saw them, uh, you know, uh, about yeah. a year ago before uh, we stopped seeing concerts. And, you know, it's just, it's phenomenal music. And, you know, the whole rest of the band is still uh, original. And, uh, and I just seen the uh, Freddie Mercury bioptic, you know, so it was. Uh, yeah, you know, that was little, great. Bit of I a love Queen that. Fest there for a while. Yeah. Uh, but I saw them in concert actually with Freddie Mercury long ago when they did that U.S. tour. You saw the movie, you know, that they, they did one U.S. tour. Yeah. Uh, and when was that, like 80 or I think it was like 1980. I just moved to Seattle and I went down and saw Queen on the floor live. Uh, just unbelievable. One of those I, I, I saw them after you saw them, but it was in the early 80s. This was just when they were making their transition from guitar to uh, synthesizers and the whole electronic thing. And mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, it was in a massive outdoor arena in England. And I remember it took us two hours to get out of the car park at the end. But it was a great two hours. Everyone was having an amazing time playing songs on the car uh, stereo, and uh, it was such a great atmosphere. And the concert was uh, was incredible. So I haven't seen right. Adam Lambert though. He's a local San Diego guy. Uh, which, no, so oh. yeah, I have a so that gives me I some they, affinity. They did a great job, you know, segueing between the you know the have to only be Freddie Mercury stuff. And then they did a hologram with Freddie Mercury. It was pretty cool. It was all very respectful. And then some new stuff that was just with Adam Lambert. And uh, yeah, it was, it, I thought that the, it exceeded my expectations. I thought it'd be a little goofy and, you know, phony a little bit, but they did a great job. So these warm-up sessions, we used to just uh, talk about music, and I've increasingly indulged myself in asking our guests about themselves and their history and their careers and so forth. And we talked a bit about that uh, in the last episode. But I, I was thinking about your career and your role, and you seem to have done a really good job. You've got this super interesting job. You're very creative technically. You get to... Uh, engage with other people through this standards organization aim that you're uh, part of and so you get to travel the world a little bit i guess and uh, and and more importantly build these relationships with people so if you were giving your advice to a uh, a teenage son a uh, 18 or 21 year old what, what advice would you give about how to replicate your success? Because I'm thinking the formula's probably changed a bit, but what, what do you think are the, what's the advice that you would give? You know, when I was in school, I was just completely in love with physics. I thought it was the coolest thing going, and I did advanced math, and I did advanced physics courses, and I majored in college, and then I went to graduate school, and I was just all about physics all the way and you know right through to getting a PhD until I realized that you know one of the big reasons I I love physics from a job standpoint is it would give me flexibility to kind of do anything uh, and then I realized that if I you know spent the remaining you know seven or eight years left to get my PhD that I would have about three places in the world that I'd be able to work and so uh, that combined with uh, falling in love with a bunch of other things that approximately at that time led me to leave with a master's. And then when I went into the work world, uh, the, the background in physics, you know, was great for all kinds of things. But the important thing is that what I loved about physics is that you could dig, dig into the root cause of fundamentally how things worked. And when I got my first job, which was in manufacturing as a process engineer, I used all that information and it became more like an applied physics uh, kind of thing. But the, the key was I loved it. I loved figuring out those kind of problems. And I guess loving it is the key. And so the advice I would give uh, to young people is take courses that you love. Don't worry at this point about, you know, what career you're going to get. You're going to get a career based on someone hiring you to do something uh, 
that they need to have done. And if you're doing something that you really love and you're enthusiastic about, and you maybe even have hobbies that are linked to it, you're going to be successful. You might not know now. You might love, you know, uh, French and want to study French like mad. And how how am I ever going to make money, you know, with French or or pure math or whatever it is? Well, don't worry about that. It, when you look back on your career, you'll say, "Wow, I'm really glad I did this because I was able to use it over there." That you cannot predict. So, in short, do something that you have the most fun, that you really love, and it, the worst thing that will happen is you, maybe you will be unemployed, but at least you've had a great time up until that uh, moment. But I've found that people that are successful doing something have uh, pursued a path where they pursue things that they really, really are enthusiastic about. So that would be my advice. I think it's great advice. Uh, I, I think I, I feel like I've done very much the same kind of uh, thing. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.